Hey everyone and welcome to the episode 5 of the e-learning guys. My name is Nate Sejorga Dulmin and joining me is David Charney. Hi Dave. Hello Nate. Hello everyone. How are you sir? Has, has it been a good week? Yeah, never better. Just playing around with dials and storyline and seeing what you can do with them. <laughs> Dialing it up to 11, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, if you, if you set it to 11, it can go up to 11. You can even get it up to 12, <laughs> even 13. The next level. <laughs> All right, uh, we have some follow-up. And the last time when we had Richard Hill on the show, uh, we spoke a bit about Storyline 3 and what we think is going to happen, just uh, playing with the idea. And uh, I spoke to some people that spoke to some people uh, and it might happen that Storyline 3 is going to come out next year. Uh, so this is nothing confirmed, it's just some uh, rumors, let's say. And, uh, well, the, the reasoning is that maybe the subscription is not for everyone and uh, the app wouldn't be any more, uh, you know, feature, uh, wouldn't have any more features than the current version in the subscription model. Uh, but actually, it would, it would have a feature less, uh, for example, the review tool, because that's the part of the package of the whole Articulate 360 package, so it wouldn't have the review part of the program. Um, yeah, so it, it might happen. It, it uh, looks like it might happen. I, I guess some people are, are happy, I mean, are not happy with the subscription uh, and just want to use the app, but um, I don't know. For Personally, I think it's, it's a bit weird, you know, to be using this tool and then to have it be, you know, thousand dollars a year, too much to to be that that could that that is too much for you. Then I mean, uh, then it just seems you're in a sort of bad business. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but yeah, I I guess that that's also one way to do it. I mean, if it makes more sales for them, of course, I guess it makes also sense from the business perspective. Yeah, that that'd be interesting. I'll be interested to see if uh, something develops from that. Yeah, so that's that. Nothing more, nothing really concrete, but uh, it might happen, might happen next year. Hey, this is Nate from the future. After editing the show, I actually found out the source of this information. So actually, a staff member, uh, Brian Gill, uh, left a comment in the forums saying that standalone versions are actually coming out sometime next year. So this is sort of confirmed. Uh, and... Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can read it for yourself. So, we have a new segment called 10 Days in Review, or maybe we'll just call it X Days in Review because uh, we have 10 days between our shows and uh, some things happen during our work and uh, maybe we have something new to share, maybe we were working on an inter interesting problem or, or maybe solved something with a nice trick. And uh, I have something to share, and Dave has also something awesome. Um, so let me begin. I ha let me start with a problem I had a while ago in, in, in spring this year. I was working on a course that had a custom player. So we hid everything from the typical storyline player, and we used custom buttons. And then also I created, uh, with the help of uh, wipe animation, I created a custom, you know, seek bar. But it doesn't really seek, it just shows you how long the slide is. 
because uh, we can't jump in time. Uh, so which means I had to just adjust the, the timing of the animation with the, ti- with the timing of the audio we had in that slide, which is fine. It's a nice way to do things, and it's a good solution, I think. Uh, almost only solution un- until yesterday. Um, but the problem was that uh, animations are limited to 59 seconds, so one minute. And then I had a situation when I had 80 seconds of audio and the animation wasn't long enough. So in that case, you know, I had to I had to create two objects and then create one wipe animation and just as it ended, continue with the next one. And uh, even then I saw that the timeline timing of the animation doesn't really match. It's like maybe one second off or half a second. So I had to do a bit of adjustment there. But user doesn't know anything what's happening and it worked fine. But uh, like they say in the um, TV commercials, isn't there a better way? (laughs) So I came up with this uh, nice trick solution. I I think it's it's quite nice how it... uh, you know, uses many elements of what you can do in storyline to to achieve this. So what I came up with is uh, I have the project open here so I can speak more fluently about it. So first, you create, uh, just you put an object off the screen, off the slide. I mean, for experimentation purposes, it it can be on the slide, no problem. And you create a motion path uh, that has a 0.1 second duration so the lowest you can choose Uh, and of course at that moment there's a trigger automatically created move oval one on line motion path one when timeline starts so when timeline starts move the object of course this is simple stuff and then you want to loop this animation so we have another trigger when the motion path completes move again so move oval one again on the same motion path and you know this Keeps, creates a nice loop. So then you create a slider. You put it on the screen, and then uh, in the slider, actually you don't have to do anything special with the slider. You now you have the slider there. Then you go uh, and create another trigger. So you add point one uh, uh, value to the slider one when motion path completes. So which means Every 0.1 of the second value 0.1 would be will be added to the slider. Um, okay, so this means that slider will have an exact uh, uh, so full. No- uh, how do you say that? Full number, f- whole number. Yeah, whole number. Ho- whole number. So it will have a whole number every one second because it's 0.1, and 0.1 is the duration of the movement. So uh, you. Do this ten times. You have one second of movement, and uh, yeah, that moves the slider. So, uh, which means then that uh, you can go in the slider settings under design, and you can say start is zero and end is the number of seconds that you need. For example, I what I would use for my custom player. Um, you can say set it, you know, to eighty start and uh, 0 and 80, which means the slider will be moving automatically uh, because we're changing the variable when the motion path completes uh, and will be just nicely moving the, nicely moving the, the thumb 
across the slider exactly the number of seconds that you need. Uh, I also realized that there's another setting in a uh, slider called step, and you ha you don't have to adjust step at all. Uh, when I was testing this, I, I thought that I have to also set the step to point 0.1, but this is really not needed because steps are only presented when user drags the slider. Uh, but if you if you change the slider through the variable, you you don't need to do that. It just mm -hmm. works fine. So the motion is quite nice and. I, I will say almost, almost fluid because, you know, it's just 10 seconds. It's like 10 frames per second, which is not enough. You need, you need about 15 to 18 for human eye to, to, you know, to miss the movement. But it's quite enough, especially if its slider is small and, uh, you know, you have a lot of seconds, it, which means it will be moving slowly anyway and you won't notice the little, you know, little stuttery thingies. Um, and yeah, I, I, I totally love this solution. It, it works, it's, it's nice, you know, you can just then create a different slider. I would, uh, I would change the thumb to maybe a PNG circle I created elsewhere, just put it in uh, and change the track to something else. You can put, uh, you know, you, you, you change the track to be invisible, you put some, some nice uh, line behind it and then I would put hotspot over it so the user can can't move the slider. Otherwise, you know everything breaks. <laughs> and yeah, you have a custom moving slider with adjustable seconds. And I, I I'm super happy with this solution. As you remember, Dave, because I called you up immediately. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think it's great. I and as uh, so I did see it, and it's a very smooth moving uh, slider, and which is great because. There are certainly situations, and I've been in that situation where I've got a little video and I want it to loop. So I want to have some sort of status of where I'm at in the video, but I don't want to use the the uh, seek bar of storyline because my video's up here, this bar's down here. It's a big disconnect. Uh, so this is a fantastic way to uh, to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Well, well, I had another if you, an, another suggestion what could be done if you would change the thumb with uh, like a line really long line and you would hide you know half of the line to the left somewhere you know you could have a like a real sick bar like a progress bar that moves right. the, the whole progress bar moves not just a dot so i think that that's also one solution might be a bit more you know tricky to set up uh, but you can just use the, the like little thumb and uh, I think it would look great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We'd have to explore that out a little bit. Yeah. And I'll throw into the way that you loop things so that it loops after a certain amount of time. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that for a long time, I looped things through a, a layer that yep. would loop every second. It would hide and show the layer. Yes. But after a certain amount of time that no longer would uh i couldn't use it for for uh keeping track of time because after a while it's no longer uh it starts well, to it, drift right it lasts a second but it's just so slightly off a second that over like a couple minutes you'll start noticing that it's it, it's not on on sync yes and so uh using looping the um the motion paths works very well and i know you've played around with that a little bit and and it seems to uh stay uh, on track, uh, even over very long amounts of time. Is that correct? Yeah, it works fine. I was I was testing it. I was timing it for uh, a minute of movement, and it was 
dead on perfect and i That's had the great. same experience you had with layers uh, if you remember i was uh, a few shows ago i was explaining to you how I was, i was playing with you know throwing a ball at a carnival at moving objects mm-hmm. and the only way to do that was time it before we have the intersect trigger and that's the same problem i had because i was jumping from layer to layer uh so like each layer would represent one of the object that that was moving so i would know in which layer i have and n- know which triggers to you know uh, work on and i i saw the drift immediately it was really obvious uh, after a minute that this is this is off because i i threw the ball and you know object two of the one i hit disappeared so okay mm-hmm. i saw that this this is not working well so i re- i don't remember what i did there then later but uh, i actually didn't use this trick here that i you know that i'm using here mm. yeah and this is also useful for other stuff but uh i'll save some for the next time great <laughs> teaser well, very very well done Thank you sir. And you have also a nice solution in uh, that you played around with with dials. Yeah, I uh you know I've I've we've got dials now and we've got uh we can use javascript and so I thought boy I bet I could build a clock and so I I built a a clock and it was actually a lot easier than I I thought it would be. Yeah, there's just a couple of hurdles I ran into. Um you know, first off you've got three dials. Uh and I'll say too that It does use JavaScript, so I believe the only place that won't work unless you've got something disabled in a browser is the the app, the uh the Articulate app. Um but everything else I've been playing around with JavaScript for a while, it, it works very well. Um if if you know JavaScript or even if if you need to do something a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. But uh for this clock, I really just needed three dials and it's really easy to create a a dial from an object you can just draw any object out you can click on the dial and you can click i can't remember exactly what it is like create dial from object or something like that and then you can position the center point to be wherever you need it mm-hmm. and uh i saw david anderson had a webinar about that and i had no idea you could do that so that makes it very easy to create three objects create dials so they're bo- they're all three of them are 360 degree dials and they all have 60 steps There's a reason my hour dial has 60 steps and not 12, you know, 12 hours. Uh and I'll talk about that in a second. But um then all you have to do is create a layer, throw a JavaScript uh trigger on there. You'd have to look into it a little bit. Um I actually posted this on elearninglocker.com. It's a free download so you can look at this. But um in JavaScript there's some functions you can use, uh, get seconds, get minutes, get hours. And uh you know, you do have to for hours You have to split those variables into variables you use in storyline, right? You do. You have to say uh basically create a second minute and hour variable and you apply those three variables to the dials so that if you ask for the minutes and it's 4:30, you're going to get 30 back and so if you've got 60 uh steps in the dial, the thing will be pointed at uh, 30. So very easy there. The the problem I ran into is that if it's 5:59, yeah. Usually the hour hand will move slowly over time. And if it if I just put it right at 5 and it's and the minute hand is at 59, someone might look at that clock and say not not that people are going to strap a iPhone to their wrist and run my uh little clock, but um yeah, that's that's what I would that's what they're going to do 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that is the dream. Um <laughs> 
I, I did want that to move a little bit. So I kept it at 60 instead of 12 for the number of steps. And then I just kind of, you know, I calculate how many steps there are divided by 12 and, you know, there's five steps per, uh, per hour. And then I add a little bit, I do a, li- a little bit more math to figure out how, you know, what to, based on the minutes, if I'm at 59 minutes, uh, if you use a little bit of math and you, 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 um, you can find out very quickly that, for instance, maybe uh, you've got the number of hours plus four more steps, and you'll know exactly where to put the, uh, put the hour hand. And then that way, at 5.59, you can see that the hour hand is almost at six. Uh, so I had run into that. I, I hadn't even thought about that when I started building this, but completely uh, pretty easy to do in Storyline, and, and the clock seems to work very well. So I've testing it a little bit more but yeah. uh as a as a beta tester i'm i was quite happy with the result yeah well you helped me i you you kept getting different times and i was thinking maybe it's in a different time zone maybe and this is more of a javascript problem than anything else yeah but then i realized it was a 24-hour clock i i was instead of 12 and so i was able to correct that very quickly but anyway fun little project and um uh, i i had done two samples just one big clock and then i had done one uh, in Storyline, where I've got just a big picture of Big Ben, and I put the clock on Big Ben. So, you know, I, I don't know what people could use it for, um, but uh, it was kind of a fun little uh, exercise. Yeah, fantastic. Great. And now we come to our main theme, which is our e-learning toolbox. What apps do we use? What services do we use? And uh, maybe some other little tidbits that uh, help us uh, achieve what we need for our work. Uh, We have set up a few categories, so we'll start with, uh, I guess, the most important one, development tools. So, any any (laughs) storyline there? (laughs) Uh, Yep, storylines on there. Number one, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's number one for me. I use that the most, and uh, it's the easiest for me to uh, not only use to develop in, but I'm often building little mock-ups of things so I can we can make sure things work or we can explain things to the our clients and in, in what learning solutions might be best for them. So I, I use it all the time. Very nice. I agree. Uh, one, what you said, just copy-paste, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just have an assortment of other things too because while I'm in Storyline a lot, I, I'm playing around with Adobe Muse a bit, uh, which is kind of cool for responsive kind of websites and certainly use Captivate and Lectora and starting to play around with Inkling a little bit. Um, So I've got a number of other things in the toolbox, uh, a little bit down, kind of covered up with some things, but uh, have to to brush them off sometimes and use them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I have another one uh, that's related to whiteboard animations. It's called Videoscribe. And, and, I noticed that when I speak to people that a lot of it's really not super known. I think maybe maybe you know go to animate and, and some other things are more popular or more known. Uh but I I I found uh, Videoscribe about 3 years ago and uh you know it was really easy to build whiteboard animations. I can crank the cr- crank them out really quickly. Uh it's not you know I wouldn't uh praise the user interface cuz uh, the thing is built in I think Adobe Air so you know you have it on all mm-hmm. platforms uh there's also an iPad version which is uh, so so not really not really for pro use if you ask me uh 
but I like the result. I'm quite fast with it, although I'm really not happy with, you know, some of the GUI decisions, uh, especially with multiple clicks to do something, you know, just to change. Because the, 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 it doesn't work with timelines. It it works like this, that you, you insert an object, object and you, you say for how long is it uh, drawing, and then what's the pause between the next object. So hmm. that's the way you synchronize things. And all fine and fine and great and awesome, but uh, you know, if you want to change something, it's like click there and change there. And uh, the the main thing is just to quickly change the seconds, but even that takes two clicks. So I don't know. They they really changed the GUI from the first version to I think it's worse, but I still use it because I'm quite fast with it, and it's it's a pretty good uh, price. I think it's like. I don't know, 20 euros per month or 150 per year or 350 lifetime. So really not an expensive tool. Yeah, that's not bad. I've not used it. I've I've heard of it, but uh, we tend to use like After Effects and, and that's probably on the other end of the spectrum is from yeah. a complicated level if you're not familiar with it. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I'd uh, want to look into that a little bit. Yeah, complicated level and also the price and time, you know, how... All, all of this factor in so yeah uh, you know i can easily um if i'm making a proposal for a course i can easily say yeah we'll have one 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 whiteboard animation up to two minutes long so you know it's it's not a problem to just put it in there and you know create some more value yeah yep yep we do the same thing yeah we yep. try to cap it at a certain amount of time but uh yeah um, there's a i'm sure there's a, about a hundred thousand other little tools from a development standpoint that we use that we probably don't won't remember until we go to use it <laughs> yeah i mean i was really i was really thinking hard and it was like nope those two <laughs> those two are the main one and then it's just up to the little additions well maybe maybe video part is uh, similar but yeah it's not really creating it's more you know montage or something so yeah mm -hmm. speaking of video that's our next category uh i see you have written handbrake uh, I use it also. It's a great convert utility, especially for, you know, internet video. It converts to MP4, uh, which is what you would normally use. Uh, it has a nice set of set settings. Uh, you can create presets, which is really useful. You know, I have a few for like fast movement, slow movement, you know, which requires less of bitrate. Um, and yeah, and it's free app and it works great. I mean, I don't know what else to add. Yep, I've been pretty happy with it. Um, I was using FreeMake Video Converter for a long time for some of those things, but now they kind of put these bookend uh, little uh, ads on the on on the front and and mm. the in and out mm -hmm. of, of it, and uh, yeah, that doesn't yeah can't help have me that. <laughs> no, I thought FreeMake it's not, it shouldn't be free. Um, but yeah, Handbrake works great. Yeah, you never know when you're going to have to convert a video or make some little adjustment or something. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's less. There's a bit less need with it now because I think even in Storyline 2, the compression was much better than in 1. Uh, well, 1 was the problem uh, because you couldn't change it anyway. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I still use it because sometimes you want high-quality stuff and you don't want any compression. That, that's why, yeah. Yeah, and uh, sometimes we run into, we'll get videos from clients and you know sometimes there's just something, something in the codec that, they, that was used make some kind of play goofy through storyline or through something that we're running them through. And so if we can try to, you know, output them in something we're familiar with, uh, uh, all the better. Exactly. 
Okay, you 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 uh, also have After Effects and Premiere, I see. Yeah, talking about After Effects a little bit. Uh, Premiere is used quite often when editing videos, just doing, you know, say you've got a long video and you've got to cut it down. There's a lot of programs out there you can you can use to, to do that with. I can't remember. Can you do that in Storyline? Can you cut a video, splice? I, I can't think remember. if you, um, I, I I so rarely use that because I I yeah. use other tools. But I think there is an option if you edit video that it goes in 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 the editor, you know, the old editor video. I think you can do that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but uh, we use that a lot. I use that a lot. Uh, it's part of Adobe Cloud, so it's it's available to me. As is After Effects, and I've used After Effects for. Many, many years. Uh, you can do anything in After Effects from yeah. cutting up videos to, uh, you know, fading things in and out and kind of, uh, you know, 3D sort of. You can put things on planes until it's 3D and move a, a virtual camera around it, you know, mm -hmm. fade in like intros and stuff that way. Uh, to even like uh, about a year ago, I was playing around with creating characters and rigging up arms and legs and you know, to kind of introduce uh, certain aspects of an e-learning project uh, I was working on. So there's a lot you can do with that. Um, there's yeah. certainly a learning curve. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of great videos out there to help uh, explain some things that you can follow step by step on. Yeah, I, I. that's one of mine, you know. If I had some time programs I would like to learn, uh, but it's, it hasn't... Uh, I I haven't gotten the time yet. No. Well, it's it's there when you need it. Yeah, true story. Uh, and Premiere, yeah, of course, Adobe Premiere. I guess that's the main one on on Windows. Yep. Uh, what do you use generally if you have to edit a video? Uh, well, maybe one year ago I would say iMovie, which is quite limited, and I know all of the limitation. But yeah, this year I switched to Final Cut Pro Ten. Uh, you know the. Uh huh. The the f Apple's tool for uh, editing video and it's great. I I really love it and I'm quite fast with it. Um, and and I you know I don't do movies. It's <laughs> just short uh, instruction videos. So uh, I just do them there. It's fine. Yeah, I had a I we were working with a client that had uh, they had a lot of uh, speak uh, like tutors recorded themselves explaining things and they were recording PowerPoint. So we would just cut that up into chapters, so it was more, you know, easy to easier for the user, and then just put those chapters from Final Cut to Storyline, and you know that was it, just an easy conversion. But uh, yeah, Final Cut Pro Ten. Yep, yep. Uh, there's not a lot. I mean, almost anything will work these days for simple edits to videos. But uh, we certainly, I think, more and more will run into uh, doing. More stuff with videos on our e-learning projects. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. And there's just another one I have here: GIF Brewery Three. Yeah, it's GIF, not GIF. Uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think now it's free app on a Mac. It was paid before, and uh, actually created a few GIFs for my uh, e-learning project. So I had you know some guy shouting in a loop there on a slide. Uh, which is a reference to a video you saw a, st a slide before. Um, so yeah, even GIFs. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I, I've i used uh, gifcreator.me, and probably because it's the first thing that came up when I did a search, you'll, I think people will notice that uh, sometimes if they try to output something from Photoshop or some other program, 
it might not work the way you expect in Storyline yes. and some other yes. programs. It, they don't always output the same way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to kind of trial and error to see what works or go with our suggestions here. But I'll definitely try the one you had mentioned out. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a Windows app. Sorry about that. Uh, we, we'll see. Uh, I will have to check. And the, the, which reminds me, I was also, you know, for the car example that I have to had to create the GIFs, I was using Hype, uh, which is a Mac app. I know that's only Mac. Uh, it's meant to create, it's meant for creating uh, HTML5 animations. But I used it, you know, just to move the car on the curve and then I exported uh, GIFs. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I use it. So that that's where I also exported GIFs. But even with Hype, which is a really good tool uh, for animations, the GIFs were... I don't know, just something about the the borders were not nice, and I know GIF is limited to 100% transparency or zero, but uh, it, some things were not so nice. So luckily, on the yeah. the car is on a black road, and you couldn't see any, you know, miss, you know, any any artifacts. But yeah, so it wasn't a great experience, but still a good tool. Yeah, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's always a, you know, do you use video or do you use a, a GIF? And if you're using a, a GIF, you're limited to color, number of colors, uh, transparency, you know, you got to be careful with it. So finding yeah. a good program is important. Maybe, maybe just, just, a, I don't know, just a tip. Use GIFs that are small because GIFs are images by images uh, animation and they're really not optimized for size, for the file size. I would uh, keep them big up to, I don't know, one, two, three megs maybe, but not more because it's just going to, the whole slide will load slowly or the GIF won't load and it, it will load later. Just be careful with yeah, that. Yeah, they're not <laughs> built like videos. They don't uh, preload the same way. Uh, no. Sometimes you got to just wait and wait and wait. Yeah, I'm really surprised how the internet uh, brought gives back because it almost died because of PNG, but with but but just because of animations, you know, it's alive, it's alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing. All right, uh, and from gifs we segue to graphics. So, what's your uh, graphic editor of choice? Uh, I I'm a Photoshop guy. I have been using Photoshop since. 1997, I think. And uh, I mean, you couldn't even, you could do barely anything in it, but it was the best at the time. And uh, so, yeah, I've just kind of, I mean, it's, it's like an extension of, of the way I think now. Uh, I can do quite a lot in Photoshop mm -hmm. and it's very easy for me to make uh, uh, quick edits or really complicated edits. And I, I would say most of the images that go into Storyline or, or end up uh, in front of our clients that I touch go through Photoshop. Yeah, I saw your uh, three-legged stool drawing uh, in Photoshop, and that's yeah. quite impressive. I mean, I'm I'm more of a let's edit a picture and maybe make a button, but drawing like that, uh, that's that's a bit uh, <laughs> that requires some uh, learning. Yeah, it it yeah. There's a lot you can do, and uh, and I you know I get an idea in my head and. Photoshop's the thing that I can kind of get the idea out of my head with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I and, and that, what you saw there, I wasn't really, I didn't really show, I basically sped through what I did in Photoshop to show how I built that in like 10 seconds. So it doesn't do a good job of explaining anything, but uh, I think I think it hopefully gives people the idea that you can certainly build stuff in it 
uh, you can build quite a lot of stuff in it uh, just with the, you know, no special yep. tools, just Photoshop. Yeah. And do you use photo, like what do you use? Or I guess a lot of people, and, I, and more and more I'm using stock stuff too, at least from a start. So I don't know, uh, how about yourself as far as image editing? Well, I, I mentioned in, I don't know, a few shows ago that I, I I have also used Photoshop for about 10 years, I think, from 2000 to I, I, even more, I guess. Uh, but um, since I'm on a Mac and uh, I, I'm, I'm a cheapskate, I <laughs> on a Mac, uh, it doesn't make sense. But um, it's... Uh, <laughs> well, you, you spent all your money on the Mac. Probably. Yeah, that, that's why. So I'm broke. So I had to spend money. Uh, well, no money elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, the thing is, there's a great app for for uh, for a Mac. Uh, it's called Pixelmator, and I, I honestly I haven't seen anything similar on Windows. I know there's some open source stuff, but from what what I was testing, it's really not really useful for pro app for pro use i mean it's really uh, it's just something you maybe use in the afternoon hmm. mm-hmm. and uh well pixel matter it's really you know it has a lot of basic stuff as photoshop you know the layers masks uh vector layers uh you know brushes and so on uh but well i i use it it's it's fine it's great you know has the the all the selection thingies and uh I have no need for Photoshop, really no need. I think there was just once that uh, I needed a radial, radial, radi, radial blur, and it yep. wasn't there because it was just like one direction. There was no s- circular thing, so I think a friend helped me out. But uh, otherwise, I can do everything in Pixel Matter, and it's like I think it's twenty-five bucks. And uh, when it was uh, you now Black Friday, I think it was fifteen. Uh, and and I I think I I'm using the same version for the last I don't know three four years it's they just keep up upgrading it and it's it's really good app and really great value so if you don't do, you know pay pay Adobe for the license check Pixel Matter out really good stuff hmm. yeah yeah I have to watch some videos on that uh, not having a Mac I'll I'll watch some videos and see how that works I know a lot of people use. Uh, like GIMP as well. Yeah, GIMP. GIMP. What I was li- thinking about, and yeah, yeah. I've I, not really since I've had Photoshop handy. I've really not played around with it too much. Um, you you don't need. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I kind of wanted to learn it just a little bit because sometimes people ask me about it. But um, and then another thing I have used, and I only use this. There's only the only reason I should use this is when I'm in a pinch and I don't have Photoshop. But there's a if you go to pixlr.com, P-I-X-L-R.com, mm-hmm. there is a a web-based tool that is, mm-hmm. it it'll, will feel a lot like Photoshop. And I'm, I'm amazed you can do quite a lot. It's got layers. It's got quite a lot of uh, f- functionality. So if you just need to do something and you don't have your programs available, I would I would check that out. Have that in your back pocket. Yeah. And while, while we're on the subject, I just saw today there's a... Uh... There has been an update to uh, another tool. Uh, I think it's only... Ah, no, it's for both, Mac and Windows. And Dave, check the video. It's Affinity Photo. It's 1.5 version. And I, I saw the presentation here quickly before we started recording, and it's quite impressive. Some really nice uh, tools you have in there. So uh, I'll share that with you and the listeners. Uh, so everything will be in the show notes. Great. 
Thank yeah. you. No problem, sir. So how about stock photography? Where do we go for that for this? Stock photography. You know, there's a lot of stock sites out there and the more and more I'm starting to see the same stuff on each. I personally I think it's just valuable to have access to a a stock site. Um there is we use Shutterstock. Mm-hmm. Uh we have an account with Shutterstock and kind of the monthly you get to download so many images. But just when you're when you're doing some when you're designing, sometimes you got to grab a couple of images and try them out and see what works the best. And sometimes you have to send a bunch of stuff to a client to try stuff out. And a lot of times you can grab kind of preview images. Mm-hmm. But to to feel the freedom of just grabbing an image and not having to to worry too much about uh, you know signing up to an account, just having a stock site available if you're using images enough, I think is is quite valuable. Yeah, exactly. I I have uh, um almost the same recommendation. I'm saying almost because I'm I'm using bigstockphoto.com and I'm quite sure I saw that Shutterstock bought them. So, not a big difference now, I guess. They're probably all owned by the same person anyway. Yeah. Uh and uh I think in terms of value they're quite similar. The the thing is that Big Stock Photos has nice has some nice packages which are useful to me because I don't need this stuff a lot. And you have you have like I think forty five dollars for five images a day for a month. Uh, you know, which is really not not expensive. You know, because I know Shutterstock has the big package for like I don't know one eighty two hundred dollars something like that. Yeah, if we didn't have a team of people uh, working on stuff. The monthly thing would probably be kind of expensive, um, but they do have a couple of other variations. Yeah, there are some options. Also, here you can buy credits in- instead of subscription. But yeah, I usually go with subscription, and then you know you yeah. can favorite items, and then just buy it every day. Have a reminder to download five items. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I can also add the Shutterstock has a really nice iPad app. It's great for oh, browsing. Right. Yeah, you can brow- browse, you can download, and also just favorite things. And I, I, I think it's great just to, to search for photos. It's a great experience. Hmm. We, we have a, a friend of ours, uh, a company in the area, and they uh, they shoot a lot of stock stuff. So every time I walk in their studio, there's uh, like a swing hanging from the ceiling or a half an airplane uh, that they bought so they could take all these various pictures that end up in, in stock sites. And it's just amazing. You look at the photos and it's like, oh yeah, they're in an airplane, but. Uh, nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, my big problem with stock stuff is often the people are, stan- people. you know, you've got a whole group of people. They're all very pretty staring at the camera. <laughs> Stop staring at the camera. I don't, that doesn't help me. Pretend like you're actually working because those are the photos I need. <laughs> Pretend like you're working. <laughs> I run into that all the time. Like, oh, this would be a great yeah. photo if they weren't all staring at the camera for some reason. The camera loves them. Um, yeah. And, of course, there are some free options also. Uh, and uh, I think they're quite popular and quite known in, in, our, in our circles because often you, know, you just need quickly one photo. You don't pay a subscription. And there are many options. I would just throw out one, one uh, or maybe a few. Pexels, you know, not pixels with an I, but pexels with an E, uh, dot com. It has a nice search. I think it searches 
through more than one of the other free stuff. Otherwise, you also have Pixabay and uh, Unsplash. It's quite popular. And yeah, there are also a few smaller ones, but I think those are the most popular ones. And you can get quite a nice, quite nice photos there. Just when it comes to some niche, niche thing, you know, you're you have to go to to bigger players. But you know, for maybe offices or uh, the I don't know computer desks, things like that. Even yeah. even people, it's, it's 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 a nice selection. Or another thing that I didn't have on on my little list here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, a lot of us have cameras now. I'd say most of us true. have cameras. And uh, never forget that uh, you can take a lot of photos of, of things yourself, have your own stock libraries. Uh, a lot of times we'll take pictures, I'll cut stuff out and Photoshop again. Uh, there's a, if, if you feel you don't know how to take photos very well, uh, there's a, YouTube has a lot of great tutorials on things. And mm-hmm. what's also nice about taking your own photos is that let's say you're doing a project about something, you know, and you might think, oh, well, they use folders a lot. I'll find a picture of a folder on a stock site. Well, if you have access to the actual folder they use, sometimes taking a photo, a nice photo of that, you have to be aware of the lighting and even little things like, oh, you know, it's it's amazing when you take a photo and all of a sudden all you can see is like the outlets and things plugged into it. You don't see that when you're just trying to focus in on something. So it's good to know your environment, take good photos, but uh, taking photos of real, of real spatial things, uh, real environments, I, I think uh, works uh, c- can really add a lot to your uh, online courses, your online courses, your e-learning courses. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, I think it's really nice touch for the users because if they know that folder, you know, they they will relate to the content more. Exactly. Yeah, we had a project with. I'm not sure if I mentioned it before with a. Uh, a children's hospital. So we went out, took a bunch of photos of the actual hospital, did a lot of Photoshop work to clean it up so it was focused. But everyone using the course said, oh, that was, that's my, those are our patient rooms. You know, uh, we even took pictures of, uh, they had couches with these unique patterns on them. We took a couple pictures of those and we used those as backgrounds. So, <laughs> nice. y- you know, it just, y- that's out there and, and you can certainly, uh, do that. And that's, uh, more or less free and is even better than using stock photos sometimes. Yeah. And uh, there's another thing, the editing vector graphics. Um, I use, again, not not Illustrator, but there's uh, also similarly priced as Pixelmator. It's an app called Graphic. Uh, I think previously it was iDraw, which totally threw me off when they changed the name with the update, automatic update, and I was searching for the app and I couldn't find it. <laughs> it's because they changed the name, so it's just graphic. And, oh, and it, it opens uh, AI files from Adobe Illustrator. Um, so, you know, sometimes these conversions are not perfect, so I have some fiddling to do. But usually it's just fine, you know. I also go there to create some uh, graphics and... I mean, it's a it's a, a great great tool. Again, if you really don't need Adobe Illustrator and you need just a, a little bit of it here and there, great value for for money. Well, in some of those stock sites, you can download, and there's a lot of free Illustrator files or vector uh, graphic files out there. A lot of people don't realize that in Storyline, you can often go to what is it, Format and Edit, and you can actually edit some of those and pull the uh, pull the points around and 
I think even adjusts Bezier curves and things like that uh, right mm -hmm. in Storyline. It doesn't work for all the files because the way some of them are built, but a lot of them uh, you can edit right in Storyline. Yep. And there's just another one I just, I just uh, remembered. I have it on, I was playing with it on my iPad and I actually created something. So let me find it. It's called Assembly. Assembly. So it has uh, it's a vector editor, really nice, especially if if you have the pencil, uh, and it has a bunch of objects that are already you know um, here shapes shapes. So let just let me see what we have here. You know you have bubbles, you have some circles, some different shapes, button like. Uh, let me go forward. Design elements, you know, different stars and circles, and strokes. Basics, they call it beyond beyond basics. Bubbles, build your own emoji. You know, you have like hairlines and uh, shapes of head. So you can, you know, you you can, you, you can just use these objects, put them together, change the color, adjust some curves, and you can create something. I know I used, I needed an icon for something, and I created it here, and it has a nice export to PNG directly to Dropbox, and it it was on on my computer in seconds and. Uh, it's a really nice app. I mean, if you if you're searching for more creative work that you can do on the iPad, especially the Pro <laughs> with the pencil, Assembly it's it's a really nice app. And you have a bunch of free things, and then you can buy extra shapes, which I think I did some. Yeah, uh, Assembly. Assembly. I'll have to check that out. Now, have you ever had to do anything with uh, 3D? Not really. Because we, I I didn't put this here because I don't personally do. 3D stuff uh, where I work, but um, I used to when I was in college. I I knew I knew 3D Studio Max and Maya. And I played with Max, I, yeah, in like yeah, 15 years ago. Yeah. I've forgotten it all. I, I even it's part of my degree, even animation degree. But um, huh, yeah, well, I've forgotten it all. Um, but uh, we do some 3D in house, and so sometimes just to uh, build an environment in 3D, um, or like let's say we've got a a client who has a product. And they want to animate around that product and point certain things out. Uh, we will use. Sometimes we can get their CAD data, and then we have to light it and texture it and everything. But uh, well, not in my toolbox. Uh, I, I know, as far as my company goes, in our toolbox, we also use 3D Studio Max, 3ds Max, and um, and there's a lot of other libraries, texture libraries, and things that uh, you need for that sort of thing. But uh, there's a lot of uh, free. I don't know what they are now, but uh, if you do run into needing something like that, there's a lot of free tools out there. Yeah, one one of them is one of them is Blender. Yeah, yeah, Blender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I used it once for five minutes uh, seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quite familiar with it. <laughs> so you're you, you don't want to brag, but you're kind of a pro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's on my resume. <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump to audio. So what's your editor of choice? Uh, audio, uh, I've been using Audacity for a while now because uh, it's free. And uh, the more you use something, the more you, you're familiar with it. Um, that but is true. Uh, yeah, I do a lot with Audacity for checking audio, normalizing audio, cutting audio, mm -hmm. um, you know, all those, little, all those little things. How about yourself? I'm using Reaper. Uh, it's a really inexpensive tool. Uh, it's, I think it's like 50 bucks and, uh, and then 200 for commercial use, something like that. So no subscription here again. 
and mm-hmm. uh, well, I use it for uh, recording my voice, my wife's voice. That's also you know part of the team, and uh, also um, if uh, it depends on what the client wants. So it's where we record, it's where we edit, it's where I adjust everything, it's where I edit this podcast, uh, and I think it sounds quite alright. Uh, it's a really nice app. It's a really nice app. It has tons of features. And it's in, in and the look is totally windowsy. You know, it's like uh, really not a. It's not an ugly look. It's just meh. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can achieve. I mean, it has so so many options, and you have modification. And there's a forum with with uh, with people that do modifications. I added something uh, to tidy up the menus because the, because there are so many options that now it's now they are more organized. And it's amazing. And you do you 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 do uh, speed edits. Sometimes I see you you post little videos of you editing. Is that using that uh, that that software? That was using Reaper. Yes, uh, of course. Mm-hmm. That was sped up later. <laughs> that was not me. Editing. Of course, it was sped up. Yeah, <laughs> it was sped up five hundred percent. So five times faster. Yeah. You're so fast. You actually slowed it down for that. But yeah, yeah, but, certainly. If you saw those videos, uh, they're definitely sped up. But you can get a little feel for the the yeah. editing. Yeah, it you know it it has the option of ripple editing, uh, which means at first maybe I can I can I can do a little bit of how we do the podcast. Um, we record uh, our sound on each end, so. Dave has recording on his end, I have recording on my end, and we end up with two separate files that, you know, were not destroyed by Skype's quality. And uh, I I put them in uh, two tracks in Reaper, uh, then I line them up so it, uh, you know, I, we, the sounds are synchronized because I'm recording two, two channels, mine and yours, and you're recording only, your, only yours, but then I can reference that and it's, it's fine. Then I just remove the second channel. And after the, everything is nice and lined up, I uh, create an auto split that looks at the low parts of the volume and just cuts those away. So I end up with holes in between the audio. Uh, and you can set it up, you know, so how much is the fade in and fade out between items? What's the lowest volume that uh, it should look and remove it or, or the highest uh, and so on. So it's a lot of options. So when I end up with this nicely split items, uh, ripple editing comes in really handy because it means that I can, you know, if we, if we have a pause or someone is thinking and there's like a gap in between and it would be maybe not really nice to listen to, I can just drag the first item that I want to push it towards it. So from the back forward, so I close the gap. That item, because it's a ripple edit, um, is, uh, is moving every other object also so i can just grab one and move it left or right and everything from my point forward is gonna be part of this group which is really hard if you don't have that otherwise you have to keep selecting everything and moving and keep selecting and moving and this really speeds up so much of the process that is very very helpful um and then you have the replayed through the whole thing so i'm switching between two modes i'm i'm moving everything or I'm working on just mine, my, maybe I can move. If I say yes and I see that I my voice was over you, I switch to my, my track and I just move my yes maybe a bit closer or 
uh, further away, and it does it, it moves just my part of the sound, not not everything else. And then I then I switch. Mostly I use the big uh, uh, ripple for everything. So really, really handy. And uh, when you said I, I, that you saw the speed edit, actually, I have a bit of speed edit because I edit about at 1.5 the speed of the recording. So I can go through the edit even faster. Um, and I save some time that way. Yeah. And mm. we don't si- sound like chipmunks because it has an option <laughs> to preserve pitch. So that's that's great. Yeah, very nice. Um, yeah, I'd say... If if not just doing normal edits, you know, cleaning it up again, normalizing and various things, uh, we you know having a waveform uh, to I, I'd say the next thing that we do I don't want to say often because we don't like to do it, but sometimes we've got voiceover for projects and some you've got to make little edits and take mm-hmm. stuff out and yeah, and sometimes that's not going to sound right and so you don't want to do it. You want to get a re-record from whoever's doing the narration yes. or yeah. whatever it is. But sometimes you need to get in these programs and see the waveform and 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 cut it and to be able to see the waveform, zoom way in and make those edits and yeah. of course listening is the most important. Um, that happens enough in our in our not day to day but or week to week maybe month to month that comes up and um, it, it certainly can save money and time to just make little sure. edits like that. But having good audio software is going to help with that. Yes, very very. And, and actually, speaking of uh, narration, um, one of the things in, in our toolkit is voice123.com. Have you ever used that? No, actually. No. Yeah, so we've by this time, we've got enough people we can reach out to that we tend to reach out to people we've done voice work with before. But if you need narration for a course or something like that, mm-hmm. you don't have any talent that you, you, you're used to using or you need something unique – What's nice about voice one two three is dot uh, com is that uh, you can go there, you can sign up for an account. It's it's all free, and then you can say, um, "I need uh, you know this sort of voice. Um, I have a you know twenty minute course. Let's say it's e learning. Uh, I you know accents or mm-hmm. languages or whatever you want." And then you can you can give it like a, a price, you know. I I I'm wanting something around this price, and then um, and there's other things out there that'll help you figure out what these things cost. But then you you hit to submit or whatever you hit, and um, over the next couple of days, people that feel that they can uh, do your audio, uh, well, uh, let me back up too. You can also put a little like a couple of sentences from your actual script in, and a lot of these people are going to actually record that script. So you can hear what your project's going to sound like, and you can you'll just get a list of people that can do it for that cost, and you can just play, play, play. You can gather the ones that you like the best up, send them to your client, so they can review them if that's the case, or your boss, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And um, then right through there, you can say, "Yep, hey, we're gonna go with you," and you can connect with them directly. And you don't have to do everything through Voice One Two Three. Uh, you can pay these people directly and everything afterwards but it's a it's a great site it really streamlines everything if you need it yeah it sounds great because uh i used in the, in the previous company we used uh, voice bunny but it's quite expensive i mean i don't know the, the, i guess it's it's the really good speakers there but it's quite expensive i mean we we paid like 100 euros for i don't know 2 minutes you know uh it was a lot 
Uh, of course, the price drops with the quantity, but uh, the, I, I didn't see any option like this. So I really like this that you can say, I'm searching for this. That's my budget. You know, who, who can apply? I, I like that. Yep. And, you know, if you've got too low of a budget, you might get a couple of people and they might not sound good. Um, and that's, you know, you just have to deal with that. But, uh, you know, once you, once you use it a couple of times, you get pretty familiar with uh, general costs. And, and if you are on a budget, still, you might get a couple of people that sound really good and, and it benefits everyone. So I would check it out if you need it. Yeah, great suggestion. Uh, I have another that's related, you know, just to stock audio, and it's audioblocks.com. Um, .com. Yeah, it's usually 90 bucks per year. Then, you know, they have some promotion. It's also half of that, I think. <laughs> that's what I, I got in spring or something. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a nice selection of uh, clips. Um, I have no idea where, uh, what's the... You know, I guess I, I have a feeling it's like a combination of some old library with some new library because some of the sounds sound like, you know, it's uh, just the quality is not there. You just have a feeling it's, it's a low bit rate or something. But uh, I found quite a lot of stuff there and also our uh, music that we have for the show here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we've been using audio blocks uh, for little bits of music and some sound effects and some things. They've got a number of different things there, and yeah, they're pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, the the what was challenging for me as a not native speaker was, uh, you know, what are the expressions for the dings, dongs, oh, playing, right. <laughs> all of those. <laughs> so I really learned that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, I still can't always get those. I'm like, yeah, it's sometimes that's still difficult. I cannot. Yeah, I, and I'll just type in like. Uh, sound of dropping uh, thing on floor <laughs> yeah. and occasionally I'll, I'll find what I need, but yeah, yeah, trust me, that's still a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and maybe we can just mention what we're using for our recording here. I have a Behringer condenser mic with a preamp, uh, digital preamp that uh, goes in my Mac uh, through USB. And I was lucky to get this as my farewell gift when I left the previous company. <laughs> That is very nice. And yeah, I have a uh, Blue Yeti, uh, which is a com- kind of a common podcast microphone you'll yeah. find. Uh, and they've got a, I think they've got a Pro as well. But this just hooks right up into uh, USB into the computer. Uh, and it's kind of nice too. You can hook up a headphone right to the device and play your, whatever your sound is back from the computer back through the Blue Yeti. So you can, uh, you know, hear how you're actually going to sound and hear how without having to keep Plugging and unplugging things. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a nice little uh, microphone. Yeah, very nice. And uh, yeah, we come to a sort of uh, random category we have here. Just a bit of uh, information management testing. Just mix of everything that we use for the little tools that we use uh, in our projects. Yeah, m- yep. maybe I can start with... I, I'm, I'm on a Mac, so which, means, which means I uh, don't have parallels on a Mac. I don't, which means I don't have Storyline on a Mac, so I'm I'm using Parallels. I have been using it for you know two and a half years, and uh, it works fine. It's uh, it's really nice, and you know my iMac is six years old, and it's still running uh, virtually Windows, and um, that's 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 where I work most of the time. So yeah, uh, I think Parallels also a suggestion, but I I know it's also suggested by the Articulate on the support page. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, use that, have to use that for that situation. Yeah. Uh, so what's in your list, Dave? I've got just a number of things. Uh, my first one's the internet, so I thought I'd throw that in there. I almost missed that one, but... Uh, I like that one. Yeah, you've used, you use the internet? <laughs> yes, here and there, you know, when, yeah. I, when I have to search for some recipes. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, they've got search engines now. Yeah. Uh, Bing. Yeah. If you're and not I, familiar I with Bing, you can go to Google no, and look I'm, it up. I'm using Alta Vista. I'm in the old school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> Bing. Uh, no, Google, Google. Um, <laughs> you know, again, half the, well, half the stuff we've talked about from, uh, you know, dot-com stuff, the the uh, Pixlr and Voice123 and certainly all those things. But uh, yeah. I look up samples all the time. Like I'll look up images. Um, I'll look up, you know, if I'm trying to think of creative ways to uh, get past a educational problem or something, you know, how, does, how might I create something to explain this? Mm-hmm. I'll look stuff up online and a lot of times I'll end back up on uh, Articulate's, Articulate's website uh, and just see all this great stuff people have been doing. So I, I use that all the time, or I'll, I'll click on the images button in Google and just see what's out there. So I use that all the time for just figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Well, I have something similar for, you know, sort of for inspiration. Uh, I just signed up, I guess, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, uh, to a collectui.com newsletter. And they have huh. a bunch of different uh, user interface examples, and they look really nice. And I just, you know, I, I won't be browsing that page every day, but uh, they send me samples every, I don't know, few days, I think. And it's really nice just to scroll through those and see how things are done, what was the thought, what was the thinking about it. And uh, uh, it's just nice inspiration uh, just to go through quickly. Yeah, Yeah, I'll have to look that up. And then, of course, we can't uh, we can't miss the Dropbox, the the file syncing tool. Yep. That it's 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 I can't work without it. I actually moved all my files to Dropbox, so it's sort of backup also for me, and it's easier to reach the files if you're on the iPad. Yeah, use Dropbox all the time. Yeah, we were sharing it, you know, to send the recordings of the podcast or, or logos or something. So yeah, it's 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 awesome. And and also Google Drive if if client wants it. Otherwise, Dropbox uh, uh, every day for me. Yep, that's great. Yeah, and uh, like we use FileZilla and some different. There's a lot of FTP programs out there, yeah. but uh, we have to interact with a server often or servers. And sometimes we'll instead of Dropbox, we'll use we'll put big files on there. Or we'll put our projects, you know, as we output our our uh, our uh, storyline files or whatever the. Mm-hmm program we're using uh, just to have access to a server and easily upload things uh, that's used all the time um, yeah. and let's see we, sometimes we use box uh, but usually our clients have have box um, I just thought of a, a number of a couple of other things that w- weren't on our list that maybe we'll come back to but uh, just one you know yeah sorry you go ahead I was gonna say uh, you know WebEx and GoToMeeting, I think uh, those are things too that uh, I just thought mm-hmm. of that uh, be interested in. Yeah, I, I, I saw I saw some of the colleagues use uh, Zoom because uh, it's quite inexpensive. Zoom. Yeah, Zoom just for 
instead of Skype, sort of. I think it can also be used for presentations, but it could be also just used for uh, or 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 multi video chat. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I just yeah. thought I'd mention it before we uh, before I forgot. But yeah, we use GoToMeeting all the time just to share screens and and have uh, uh, you know connect yeah. us with people all over the place. And there's another another tip I can throw out there regarding uh, relating to Dropbox. There's a nice feature of Dropbox uh, that you can use if the client is not using Dropbox. Uh, you have an option to create a unique link that is a file upload request link, and you connect it to a certain folder you have in Dropbox. So you just send them this link. And they will it, they, it will open a special website that, that will only say upload files here. They click upload and they can send you the material. So you don't end up with hundreds thousands of emails that you know mm. get lost. And uh, super useful. And <laughs> I have a nice anecdote regarding it. I was working with a government client uh, that, of course, didn't use Dropbox because uh, oh, it's scary stuff. And uh, <laughs> And I was, I was just thinking, oh, this is great. I'll just send her the link. She can upload. It's going to be fantastic. And then she replies, no, sorry, can't use that. It, Dropbox is totally blocked from our, I, from our IT, I, even the I website. I think there's some. Uh, I think there's also some like OSHA th- problems with Dropbox, which is why I think some people use Box. I might be wrong about that, but I, I think that might be the case, or it was the case at some point. I don't know. It 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 what it it's causing me just pain. So ah, I don't know. But yeah, maybe maybe there's some other way they can they can upload because uh, this email stuff is horrible. Because I I was just still working on some some project and still through emails, you know, sending images and corrections in PowerPoint. It, it's it's a pain. So I'm really looking forward to looking. Uh, in other direction to to, to fix this because emails is, is is just not the way to go. Hmm. All right, uh, and then yeah, I I also use iPad uh, Pro nine point seven inch, the small one, uh, for for testing courses. Uh, I I well, I think it will be much easier to test now because of the new HTML engine. Um, for the projects uh, we use Todoist, uh, it's a web based tool. It's really nice collaboration tool i love todoist love todoist i had used it early on and then he had stopped the the guy that was developing it had stopped developing for like a year and a half and i was pretty upset because uh i i thought it was the best to do program Mm -hmm. but you know if it's not being updated that's going to be a problem then he came back with a whole new version and everything oh, yes. so yeah, yeah great program i think that's when i switched or, or i just heard on some podcast it's really nice cuz it's a it's almost like a web service and it's you know it's connected to other services so if you know this is going to get a bit geeky but if you know ifttt.com uh, if this then that you know you can you can set set up crazy things like if i if i mark uh, a mail in Gmail with a star, put it in my inbox, you know, things like that. So you can do some crazy combinations there. Um, I think I did, uh, I, I combined it with, uh, I use ScanBot on the iPhone for uh, scanning documents. And I, I, I created, I, I connected Evernote and Todoist. So if if there's a new note in a notebook uh, called Invoices, 
then create a Todoist task with the name of the note and a reminder in three days. So like I don't forget to pay stuff. So mm-hmm. you can do crazy things like that. So that, that's why I also like Todoist because it's really connected. I was, yeah. in, I was in OmniFocus before, which is a really nice and powerful tool if you're a single guy in the universe. But if you have to connect with other people, I, I think you need a tool that has an option of sharing things. Yeah, and uh, because... Uh, you know, my wife joined uh, with me in this e-learning adventure this year, and uh, we needed something to share this, these, all of these projects. And uh, I found Todoist, and it's really cheap price. It's like twenty-five bucks a year, and uh, we just went with it. And it's yeah, it's a great tool. Yep. And uh, yeah, and we're kind of getting into kind of uh, management and some things. Um, we use Google Docs quite often for mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. Uh, like, um, uh, you know, like revision documents and, uh, even some storyboards and things like that. We will use, uh, Google docs because it's great because we can, we can share those with us internally or with our clients. Uh, we can adjust them because they're just spreadsheets and documents. So we can adjust them as the, the project needs us to. And like we use them, we, we can color code them based on if things are done or not, or let people know that they need to work on stuff. So sometimes we use other things, uh, but just over time, we've, we've become very familiar with that and have kind of our own uh, layouts of things, spreadsheets and various things. So mm-hmm. we, we use Google Docs, Docs all the time. We also use uh, Smartsheets uh, for scheduling. Uh, we, it's kind of like, it's kind of a Gantt chart on the right and on the left, it's a, a spreadsheet that aligns with that chart. Um, yeah. It's, have you ever used that? No, never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's a spreadsheet. You know, you can keep track of things and type in. It, it's very open, so you can put in all your uh, milestones and what you, all the steps of the processes that you plan to go through. Then you can, it's columns, so you can say, you know, these are dependencies, so this can't be done unless this, this is done. And while you're doing all this, it's building a Gantt chart off to the right, then you can say, you know, this is something that this individual is going to do or that we're going to do as a group or that this is going to be something our client has to work on, some homework there. Uh, and then um, it's really easy to edit and share with people. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, so- sounds nice. We have to put it, uh, it in the show notes uh, for all the people that, uh, that want to check it out. Yep. Oh, one other one other thing, if I could throw it out from a management standpoint. Yeah. Now the problem is I don't remember what this thing's called, so we'll get it in the show notes. But I'll have to ask um, if you are doing a lot with videos and you need people to review the videos and approve various aspects of them. You can use, and then then we'll just have a blank and we'll just fill that in later. No, we won't. Um, hey, Nate's from the future again here. Dave was talking about Frame.eo. Whatever it's called, and uh, if you go to whatever it's called dot com, that's probably a real website. But uh, you can upload your video, and you can send a link to your your clients or your boss or anyone on your team, and they can just watch the video. They can make notes at the right time, and it will uh, mark in the video where your note is. Very easy for instead of having to tell people to keep track of time code and all this and that. Uh, it's it's very nice, very easy to use, whatever it's called. Love the name. Yeah, 
<laughs> we'll definitely get it in the show notes. All right. <laughs> and uh, I think on this note, we can wrap it up. Uh, this has been the episode five of The Learning Guys. Dave, please tell us, where can people find you? Uh, where can people find me? Uh, for e-learning and uh, course development, you can find me at illumingroup.com. And I've got a lot of my videos and templates and all other sorts of e-learning everything at elearninglocker.com. And I'm also on Twitter all the time, uh, Dave underscore Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. How about yourself, Nates? Yeah, well, you can find me on elearningbrewery.com, where I also offer some uh, storyline training if you're uh, maybe new to the tool and need some help with that and also on uh, twitter at uh, nejcd you can also find all the show notes of this episode episode on uh, thelearningguys.com slash five which are going to be many this time and uh, if you have any questions or uh, storyline challenge you have for us you can also write us uh, directly through the website and maybe we could ask you uh, uh, this time that uh, if you have a, if you have five seconds that you jump into iTunes and write us a review how you like the show, which will also help other people find the show. So uh, take care and uh, hope to hear you next time. Yep, take care and happy e-learning, everyone. Yay!